Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning over in the chapel. Good morning to you. I greet you this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I bring greetings on behalf of your brothers and sisters throughout the Episcopal Diocese of Atlanta. That is, 112 worshiping communities, better than 56,000 men, women, children, teenagers, and feisty seniors. Any feisty seniors here this morning? Don't point at anybody. That's not nice. I am delighted to be with you here today on purpose. And our purpose in the Diocese of Atlanta is to challenge ourselves and the world to love like Jesus as we worship joyfully, serve compassionately, and grow spiritually. Say amen. Amen. It's okay in the Episcopal Church to say amen every once in a while. <laughs> say amen. It's just giving assent, emotional, spiritual, intellectual assent to those ideas, and we're after those ideas. And before I get to some of those ideas, will you indulge me just a bit? Because today is really the fourth most important Sunday in the whole calendar year. I mean, after Christmas and Easter and after Father's Day. <laughs> All the fathers are, are nervous now. <laughs> there comes Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to you. Happy Mother's Day to you. And, and if you don't mind, I'll go just one step further and, and do a bit of a roll call because it's important. Are there any great-grandmothers here today? Just let me know that you're here. Any great-grandmothers here today? We could celebrate them. Could we do that? And, and, now, and now, the happiest women of the lot, are, are there any grandmothers here today? Just let me know where you're at. And, and now, for my sisters still in the struggle. <laughs> Any mothers here today still doing hand-to-hand -hand combat? <laughs> Amen. We're glad you're here. We know you need Jesus. We're glad you're here. <laughs> We're glad you're here. And then if you happen to be like me, and your mother is no longer here in the flesh with you, but you know still is with you and on that balcony that looks down over us, uh, you can indicate that mom is, is nevertheless gone and nevertheless here at the same time. And, and Charlene, is my mother's name, very much with me always. I still hear her encouragement. And, and then there are another category of women who, uh, because for, for whatever reason, uh, their body did not make a child, their heart did. And they've raised other people's children. And you've adopted and you've opened up your home and your heart and foster cared people. You've raised other people. Uh, and so I acknowledge you. And I thank you. And then there are other women still. Other women still who have not had children. It's not about children, but their heart makes love in the world. And they mother systems and work and all kinds of wonderful things. And I thank you and acknowledge you. So move on from all of that. But I had to say happy Mother's Day. Uh, I, I want to just uh, ask you about prayer. I'm, I'm really talking to the confirmands today, but the rest of you are welcome to listen. <laughs> I, I, I want to know uh, what thread did you see through all of the lessons and all the prayers? 
You know, because we're smart people, we do that work. It's not just about the preacher. We've done the work. We're paying attention. I don't know what you came up with, but I came up with really some time to focus on what prayer is. Did you notice how we prayed at the very beginning? Grant us, O Lord. You know, in, in the way we pray as Episcopalians, there's always this, this, this bit about who God is, almighty, eternal, everlasting, merciful. And then there's the ask. We're the business people. Then there's the ask. We get right down to the ask, and then we do a bit of a flourish at the end. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, right? But we really live in the ask. And if you notice the ask through this, and then the next prayer we prayed was, do not leave us comfortless, strengthen, exalt us, and we go on. And then we watch Paul and Silas, that dynamic, prayerful duo, and how they encountered the world on their way, way to prayer. They saw an economic disparity. They saw a young woman being abused. And so it's prayer that animates their work there, and they send her into a more liberating space through their prayers. They call demon out. They name demon and call demon out. It's their prayer. It's their life with God, their life in God that uh, makes evidence of what's wrong in the world, helps them see what's wrong in the world. We move to the Psalms. And what are the Psalms? But the first uh, ever published rap music in the world before there was... Little Wayne, there was little David from the south side of Jerusalem. <laughs> we call it the Psalms, and I don't know what you make of the Psalms, but the Psalms are really that holy canon of people's spiritual insight shared down through the hallway of time. It's beautiful, isn't it? But it, it, I believe it, it comes out of that space that we call prayer. And then we get to the boss at the very end of the gospel, and we notice how Jesus prays. How do you pray? Do you pray like God is the variable? Do you pray like God has to be cajoled or convinced that you're in need? How do you pray? See, I think confirmation and reaffirmation are opportunities to check in with our own spiritual maturity. You know, we know that youth comes but once, but we know that uh, immaturity can last a lifetime. And we ought not be able to sit in God's church, in his pews, uh, for a lifetime and not be developing, not be increasing not be enlarging our spirit to, to sort of be more in step with the divine. And Jesus prays exactly this way. Jesus doesn't ask God for anything because Jesus knows that God is God. God is constant from the beginning right now and to the end. God is constant in love and mercy and care. Do we pray that way? You see, the variable is you and I. Can, can, can you say amen to that? We, we are the variable. You and I have the ability to have wonderful ideals, state ideals and aspiration, and yet uh, can live at this at great distance from that in a current reality. Our mind and our behind go in two different directions. You and I have that ability. Right? And so when we confess, we're just acknowledging that. And that is, of course, a part of being human. But today, at your confirmation, I'm inviting you into an ocean of richness and wonderfulness a real prayer, acknowledging that God is always there. God never has to be called. We call God or we, we use those words to remind ourselves that we need God. But God is constant. And Jesus got that. Jesus got that, that there, was, there was no line between him and God and no line between us and God, that God is more like ocean than anything else. And we are more like raindrops in an ocean. There is no line. There's no seam. And this makes for us, I think, a great spiritual confidence. You know, if we're not careful in our spiritual life, we can be like I was just the other day. 
I was looking for my glasses. You know, I'm, I'm 52 now. This kind of thing happens with car keys and wallets and so on. And I was, somebody said, yes, I understand. I was scouring the house. I mean, I, I was annoying the wife. I was, I was, you know, pushing the kids around. Come on, help me where I need the glasses. I've got to go on. And do you know where the glasses were? They were on my face. They were on my face. And sometimes our religious life, sometimes our life with God can feel like that. We can be searching around, hither and yon, looking under rocks and behind things for God that is always there, right there, never lacking. And Jesus prays like that. Jesus' connection is abiding. And he just wants us to have that. He wants us to have that. Jesus believed in a democratization of spiritual leadership, which is to say, I have a role as an ordained person, and so does Jeffrey, but so do you. There's no real hierarchy. We are all brothers and sisters, children of the Most High God. Each of us living out of those gifts to the benefit of one another. That's what he envisioned, and that's how he prayed. And did you notice what he prayed for? He prayed that we might be one. Now, that's not uniformity. And I love that, and we need to hear that again, I think, in the 21st century, and perhaps more so in this political climate. The foundation of our unity does not come from our agreement on this Second Amendment, or human sexuality, or the wall. Our sense of unity comes first, and it's right in the text in John, our shared sense of the glory of God. There it is. And and that's what I think I delight most about being in worship with you, us together, is that I know that even though I'm the one with the big mouth talking, that in this room, there are any number of people who have had experiences with the glory of God, the esteem of God, the notoriety of God, the power of God, in your own lives. And oh, wouldn't it be church if we could construct a way where we could get to share that. I mean, we try to facilitate that in the Episcopal Church. We call it coffee hour. (laughs) Where, where, Where coffee and donuts is really just bait that we would stand next to one another and share out of the richness of our experience our sense of the divine. But what unifies us is that somehow at the seashore or at the mountains or at the maternity ward or in hospice care, you and I have seen the divine. And somehow we know, even though our tongues cannot tell it all, that God is good. That's what Jesus prayed for his disciples, that you and I would go out into this world that God loves so much that he sent his son out of the gated community called heaven, down into the fingernail dirty corners of the world. So that you and I would know that that God is alive and walking day to day. And you young people, confirmation is what? Confirmation is simply a confession in front of God and everybody that you intend to be mature Christians who give public witness to this God. And that's the other part that Jesus prayed. He prayed that you and I would go out and affirm the sentness of Jesus. That in fact, Jesus is a direct connection from God to this world. So how are you going to do that? How are you going to do that at school? How are you going to do that in the life that waits for you? How are you going to do that at home? See, that's the exciting part. Nobody can do it exactly the same. That's the genius of God, that each of us will find our way in this. 
And while today is a very important stepping out for you today, uh, you know that you step out with our support. Yes, you have to step out now beyond mommy and daddy's faith and lay claim to this faith for yourself. But you do it with us. And boy, the stories we could tell you about life with God. So ask us questions. Depend on us. Be interdependent on us. But don't leave it simply to us. You have to tell us fresh stories about the goodness of God. You've got to tell us about how you've met God in high school. How you're meeting God in the music of your own ages. What are the conundrums right now? And how do you plan, uh, encouraged by your faith, to solve some of that? You see, that's the goodness of this gathering. That we're passing along, affirming that thing. And prayer is the place that we do that. Prayer is that wonderful thing that's not just the ritual that we do together, but it's also my front yard, fragranced by jasmine. It's also the waterfalls in my life that I've stood before. It's that space that I go at my desk at 4 a.m. that somehow the lightning doesn't flash, nor does the thunder roll, but somehow when I get up after an hour or so in that quiet, I feel more like myself. I feel gathered. I feel slightly more whole. I, I, my good humor comes back. I'm less brittle. That's prayer. That's prayer. And all of us can do that. And of course, Atlanta has the precondition for all of us to be the most prayerful saints in the world. You know what it's called, right? Traffic. <laughs> you and I could choose this week to turn off the vitriol, whether on the right or the left, Turn off the phone. Do y'all remember when we used to drive and not talk on the phone? Can anybody remember back in those old days? Long ago, faraway days? You and I could do that this week. And we could pray that most dangerous prayer, which is, here I am, Lord. Your servant is listening. That's always the best prayer. And as we say in Georgia, I double-dog dare you to pray that. <laughs> and the Episcopal Church helps us, doesn't it? We know that in our prayer book, we have seven genres of prayer, and I won't go through all of that. This is not a confirmation class. But I would invite you to our catechism in the back of the Book of Common Prayer, and I would invite you to go through that list of seven prayers this week, if you care to, or as reading as you go to the beach, and define your default prayer setting. Some people, if someone says prayer, they go immediately to intercession. Where are the intercession people? You immediately think of other people. Then there are others of us who immediately default to thanksgiving. But there are two I want to offer you today. One is adoration. See, I think adoration moves the heart more than anything else. Adoration is what Annie Lamont calls wow. To just be caught up in wow. To want nothing. To stop. To cease. To Santa Clausifies God. And just say, here I am. And oh, how marvelous are you. Who are, who's like you, oh God? That's adoration, to bask in that, to realize that we're small scale of things and yet loved and recognized and affirmed, beautiful. And then the second genre I offer you today is oblation. Now, that's where I really want to go, oblation. You know what oblation is? It's simply to pour out. Today, you stand up and you make promises in front of God and everybody, and we're going to watch, but I double-dog dare you sitting out and watching to not just to watch, but to say yes yourselves. To pour out yourself. See, that's what we need to be asking people to do. That's the measure of Christianity, is to what extent are we pouring ourselves out to this God that we esteem so highly? 
There, the world is full of fake and cracked celebrities. What we say in this place is there's one true celebrity, and his name is Jesus Christ. And we pour ourselves out in his cause. We pour ourselves out in his regard. And so that's what this is really all about. And it's a wonderful journey. Jesus says that, I pray that as you take this journey, you'll be steadfast enough to see the plan come to its fruition. I planted some stuff again in the yard last year. I have a, not quite a green thumb, maybe beige. And what simple, simple as it is, but never ceases to astound me, is that after a season, new blooms come. There is new growth. And what I needed to do in all of my impatience was just to hold on and trust that thing, which is old and ancient and new and, and renewing, that God will somehow show God's self, and I can be refreshed by that. And came the blooms, and claimed, came the climbing vines, and somehow I know that over time and faith, God makes souls out of us, real souls with an appetite for authenticity. That's what the world needs. That's who we are. Those are the promises we bring today. God is no variable. God is constant. Though this world, as Martin Luther said, this devil's filled, should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed, God's strength, God's truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. That is the word we affirm today.